figure out what it make what makes you happy and, and i don't always think it's the more trips i don't always think it's a nicer house or the better vehicles or the always working from home or all of those things and i think that what they're finding if you're to go out and i find an interesting topic so i, I tend to like to read the studies and kind of Working from home, it hasn't made people happy. Even having more money hasn't made people happy. Even having better things or more vacations. And it, it gives you kind of that temporarily temporary happiness when you go on the vacation. Yeah, it's fun to go on vacation. You have a week or two off and then you're right back to where you're at before the vacation. And it's really, I think that where people are getting a misconception is, is that work is a bad thing or work isn't fun or work can't be something that you enjoy now. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't have, not every day in my life is blissful and I, it's not every day that I come into work that I just excited and love doing work, but a vast majority of them are. And so, you know, I think that you, I found that a lot of times work is, you know, work and family and doing all the things that I listen and having, you know, doing startups and doing my own business and, and having kids and having a family, people look at it and say, oh, that keeps you busy and that's a lot of work. And when do you relax? And I say, why do I need to relax if I enjoy it? If I'm having a good time and life is happy, I don't need to relax because I am relaxed. I, I am doing the things that I enjoy. The Tom Screen Podcast is owned and made possible by Ethical Marketing Service. If your business is struggling with Google or Facebook ads, maybe you're frustrated figuring it out or there's a performance issue, Ethical Marketing Service has worked on hundreds of accounts and we can help in this area. We offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and for every direct account we look after, we sponsor a child in a developing nation with food, water, and education. If you would like to find out if we can help, it's a free, no salesy consultation call, and the link is in the description. Enjoy the episode. Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the episode today, we have Devin Miller. Devin, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, that's probably a, a whole story in and of itself. So I'll try and keep it uh, at a more reasonable scope. But uh, so um, founder, owner of uh, Miller IP Law. So we do intellectual property, patents, trademarks, copyrights, and a focus on startups and small businesses. If I were to rewind the journey just a bit, you know, so journey probably started a bit more in uh, college. And so I ended up getting four degrees, which my wife always jokes is three degrees too many. So I um, got a electrical engineering degree, a uh, Mandarin Chinese degree, a law degree, as well as an MBA degree. Or, uh, and so with those, um, you know, kind of always had two paths that I wanted or that I, that I found interesting. One was the startup and the small business side, um, and the other was the the legal sites, but specifically for intellectual property. So uh, really throughout my career, I've been kind of chasing both and uh, pursuing both at the same time. So I started uh, my first uh, startup that was uh, while I was doing both the law degree and the MBA degree. Um, that's now an eight figure business. And I still um, am, am involved with that business. Um, started a few other businesses since as well as uh, pursuing full time legal career and continue to do that with uh, Miller IP law and running the law firm. So I've been kind of uh, always uh, chasing both the entrepreneur side as well as the legal side. And then on top of that, the most important thing to me is uh, family. So I've been married for 14 years and uh, father of four. So one uh, oldest is 11. He's my son. And then uh, three daughters uh, down or down to six years in age. So between all that keeps me busy and uh, make, er, it makes life enjoyable. Thank you for the introduction. Um, it is 
impressive stuff. Um, so, which is why I said I did want to ask you about your story. Um, of the four degrees, which one was the first one? So I always, I always took the approach that if I'm going to get, if I'm going to be in school and getting a degree, I might as well do as much as I can while I'm there. So I always did dual degrees. And so when I was doing uh, the undergraduate, I did both Chinese and electrical engineering at the same time. And then when I did the uh, law degree and the MBA degree, I did both of those at the same time. So first two were Chinese and electrical engineering. Second, or second set was uh, MBA and law degree. Who um, inspired you to do that? So the, the first time you went to college, you got two degrees. What, are the, what was the thought process there and you know, why, why did you do that? Yeah, so undergraduates, it's an easier question. I don't know on graduate school as much, but no, I do. But uh, the so when I was doing undergraduate, so I started out, went to school, I went to Brigham Young University in uh, Utah here in the U.S. and uh, was uh, really looking at doing electrical engineering degree. So I did start out in electrical engineering degree, did that for about a year and decided I wanted to go serve a religious mission for my church. And so I ended up um, after your first year of school, taking a break going and serving a religious mission in uh, Taiwan, which is uh, is Chinese speaking or Mandarin Chinese speaking. So I did that for two years, uh, went and served a religious mission. And then when I came back and was picking up the electrical engineering degree, said, hey, well, if I already have, uh, put in the time to start learning the language and then coming up to speed on that, why wouldn't I add that as a second degree? And so that's where I added on that second degree was in uh, Chinese as I was also pursuing electrical engineering and then on the second one, it was kind of when I got to the end of electrical engineering, I looked at it and said, well, you know, that was kind of was uh, the main focus. I'd had Chinese, but as far as career aspects, it was more always on the engineering side. And I got to the end of undergraduate and said, well, you know, I like in uh, engineering, but I don't want to be an engineer in the sense that the typical prospects for electrical engineering is going to be that you start out on the bottom of the rung, you're a small cog in a big wheel, you take 20 or 30 years of your career, you slowly work your way up, and eventually you actually have maybe a bit of say or influence on the projects you're working on, but it's a long haul and you're oftentimes working on long projects for a long period of time. And I just said, you know, that isn't what I want to do with my career. And so I was kind of trying to decide what I wanted to do from there. And that was where I kind of had two paths that I was interested in. One was I always found the business side, startups, entrepreneurship interesting. On the other side, I also found the legal side, specifically with intellectual property and patents and trademarks and working with a lot of inventors and startups and small businesses also interesting. So as I was kind of weighing those, I said, well, I could do one or I could do the other. And then I just said, why do I have to choose? Why don't I just do both? So I went straight down the middle and decided I would get both of those degrees. And then as I pursued my career, I've always been doing both. So I've always had you know, what people call side hustle, I always call a second full-time job, but I was always doing the full-time attorney. And then right alongside of that, I was always doing my other second business until I could get those up and going. Then when I started my own firm about three years ago, that's when I kind of combined it all into a, a unitary or unified effort. Okay. And the, the electrical engineering, um, should we say the fact that you didn't want to do it as a profession, was that a realization of doing the course or was it uh, you actually knew that in advance? Um, it was more towards the end of the degree when I kind of looked and started to look at the job prospects and kind of what was the opportunities, what would I be doing, who could I work for. And they were all good jobs. They would have been good paying and I would have uh, got a lot of good experience. But I just looking at the the prospects about, you know, junior year, about a year out and saying, what do I want to do as I'm graduating and kind of where do I want to go? And I said, well, 
I enjoy this stuff. I enjoy the coursework. I, I find it interesting. But the job prospect is more of, I don't know that I wanted to do that as, you know, kind of looking, what do I want to be when I grow up and said, I don't know that I want to do that when I grow up. And so what do I want to do? And it kind of gave me that, well, let's, what are the other options? And that's when I started kind of saying, well, what else do I enjoy and how can I incorporate engineering into what I do or what I do? And so most of the startups I've done have been on or have an engineering slant and technology slant, not all of them, but a lot of them. And same thing on the legal side with intellectual property. A lot of the patents I work on are going to be electrical and software related and other things. And so I get to leverage a lot of that. And yet it kind of provided a career path. So as I was kind of figuring that out, I said, well, this provides me with the career path that I want and the or kind of what I see myself doing in the future while still leveraging the degree and the, the background that I enjoyed. So um, you get out of college or university day one, what happens? Uh, undergraduate or graduate? Should we say after Law you've completed your graduate. qualifications? Fair enough. I was just trying to think, you know, college could be an undergraduate. The easy answer is I went off to law school to MBA school. Um, No. So as I was coming out of, so I was wrapping up and I said, as I mentioned, was doing the, I did the law degree and the MBA at the the same time. Um, And so I had, you know, during, while I was doing the law degree and the MBA degree, I had um, always been working as a law clerk or working as a, a, a law student or a couple different law firms. And so I garnered experience there. So I was, you know, at that time as I was coming out and graduating, I had, uh, I had or been married. I was married. I had a two-year-old. I had a toddler or a newborn. Um, I had been working twenty hours as a law clerk, and then I had also done my first startup, and that was all going. And so as I was coming out, I was looking at okay, probably to start out with my career, at least on the legal side, I, I need to do or have some additional. Um, experience and feedback. In other words, I didn't feel like I was ready to just jump in and try and start doing my own law firm or do my own law practice. I wanted to get some good experience, best practices, and kind of get some good understanding. So that was going to go work for someone else for a period of time. And so I was applying for different uh, jobs and um, was uh, applying. uh, And I went to uh, law school in Cleveland, Ohio. So I was looking around there. I was more interested in going back to where uh, all my family was and where I was raised in Utah. But I was also looking across the country. So at that time, I had a job offer and I just or would just about accepted in Texas. And so we were planning on going to Texas at the last minute. A law firm that I'd applied for and connected up with in Utah said, hey, we'd like to make an offer for you. And said, great, I want to come back to Utah. Make me an offer now. Made it so that I still I didn't I didn't just jump at it and say whatever you want to pay me. So they still are still <laughs> negotiated, but I uh, got a, a job offer. So I started working as a law at a law firm here in Utah. Um, it was a, a, a mid-sized uh, law firm, and uh, at the same time, I'd also started my first startup. And so that was one where I started out as a business competition. As I was graduating, I bought out the other partners or the other people, the the teammates in the um, in the competition. So I owned it outright. And uh, I was working on that nights, weekends, evenings. I also had my father and one other individual that had also um, showed interest, experienced interest. And so we were all kind of bootstrapping that. And so fast forward a little bit, three, I worked for the law firm. I was at there for about three years. Same time, I took the startup that we were bootstrapping. We got an investor in that invested seven figures. We were getting that up and running, running those full or full time um, I switched over to a bigger law firm. Um, it was it was a Fortune 100 uh, law firm or AM Law 100 uh, law firm, so a pretty large law firm, um, and got it or continued to get experience there. Continued to build the original startup. Did one additional startup, 
And then that was kind of the the start of my career, which I can kind of continue to work for other law firms and also pursue a couple different startups on, on the side as well up until about, you know, for seven years of my career until I decided to, to make the jump and do my own law firm. Thank you for the um, for the description. I feel like uh, in, in the description, I missed a whole lot of detail that I need to get back. <laughs> but um, absolutely. I, I was like, I really need to ask you about the uh, the fact that you did a startup during your studies, because like that's a really interesting thing. But then I, I kept saying, okay, I really need to ask about that. Right, I, I need to ask about <laughs> that. So we're going to start off with just that that question. Oh, sure. Um, what what was the business that you started up in when you were studying, um, and yeah. why did you choose that one? Yeah, so I, I look back and I, I look at back and say I was probably crazy because I didn't really have the time and I didn't really, I don't know that I intended to do it as much as a startup because I just thought it sounded like fun. So kind of setting the stage and I kind of or mentioned it uh, briefly. So at the time I was uh, I was a junior or it was a four-year program. So between when you do a law degree and an MBA degree, it normally if you did them separately, it'd be five years where you condense them, it goes down to four years. And so I was in the third of the 40-year program. And at the time I, I said I had a two-year-old had a newborn, um, was working 20 hours as a law clerk, earning both degrees. And as if I wasn't busy enough, I saw, and I can't remember if it was an email or a flyer, but it was basically saying, hey, there's a business competition where you come to the introductory meeting. It's a multidisciplinary competition. So you have engineers and you have attorneys and you have designers and you have all these different types of degrees. You form a group, you figure out an idea, you enter in the competition, you can win a little prize money. I said, well, that sounds kind of fun. Why not? Let's go try it out and do it. And so um, went to the meeting, Met three other people. Our teams were typically in groups of four or five. So um, met three other people that didn't have anybody on their group either. We formed a group. And the first year we entered in um, an idea that was to make make uh, gym bags less smelly. So in other words, to make them less stinky. It was kind of a fun idea. We pursued it, entered in the competition. Didn't really think, don't think it had anywhere. It wasn't really going to go anywhere. Wasn't really practical as far as in the marketplace. But we took second place and had fun, got a little bit of prize money and went, or went out from there. The next year that it uh, came back and we were all, we were all juniors or in the third of a four year, different four year programs at the time. So we all came back and said, Hey, we had fun last time. Do we all want to get together and enter in the competition again? We all said, yeah, that sounds like fun. And then we said, well, did we like our idea from last year? Do we want to continue on? And we said, no, not really. That's kind of, you know, it was a fun idea, but why don't we pursue something else new and different? And so we were kind of brainstorming, coming up with different ideas. And we had some really dumb and stupid ideas like self-packing boxes and other things that would have just never worked. But um, but I remember as we were kind of brainstorming and after one or after a brainstorming session, as I was walking home and uh, at the time I got into running marathons and I still love to run and uh, run about nine miles every morning still. But at the time, I or my first marathon, one of the things I did horribly was I didn't stay hydrated or hydrated as well. In other words, I, I was trying to get my faster time and I didn't want to stop the hydration station. So I didn't drink as much as I should, which was looking back was another stupid idea. Uh, but uh, at the time, so I said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you could have a watch that would be able to tell your hydration level? And this was way before the days of Fitbit. It was before the days of Apple Watch or any other wearables out there. And so I said, that'd be kind of nice to be able to have a watch that told you, hey, do I need to hydrate? You know, am I going in the dehydration direction? So I said, man, that's be kind of a fun idea. Went back, pitched it to the group and they said, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And now how are we going to build it? And so uh, my father at the time, and uh, he's also an electrical engineer and he'd had a lot of experience in medical devices. So I kind of called him up and said, hey, got an idea. 
looking to figure out how we can monitor hydration on the wrist or, you know, using a watch. Any ideas of how you do that? And I said, well, I've got a couple ideas. And so it was getting right around the Christmas time at that point. So I said, why don't you come home over Christmas break? We'll build up or we'll test some things out, build up a prototype, and you can try or you can go back to Cleveland and do that. And so sure enough, came home over Christmas break. We put together a very rough prototype, um, kind of or tweaked it back and forth a little bit, went back to school in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and started testing it out. And sure enough, while it wasn't perfect, it showed promising signs. So we developed that for the rest of the year, entered in the business competition, took second place again, although I think we should have taken first, um, but it was a bittersweet win. Uh, but at the end of that, I said, okay, you know, I think this is a good idea. I think it has actual market potential and it could go somewhere. And yeah, we were all graduating. We'd all had plans to go different directions. We'd all had different careers. And so I said, I don't think that that's a good way that we're going to have a successful company. How about I take the win- my winnings from... Um, the business competition and just buy you guys out. So basically I said, rather than me getting the winnings, you guys can have them. And instead of uh, instead of the money, I'll just take ownership or, of all of the project and have full rights to it. They said, great, we'll get some money. And I, I continued to pursue on. So that was the first, uh, or first business that I started while I was in MBA school. And then I said, I continued on for that um, for several years after um, it went through some or bootstrapping, then had investors, and then had a emerged with another company that was actually doing diabetes monitoring. So we leveraged a lot of the technology we'd originally been using for hydration monitoring to go for a much bigger mar- market, which is diabetes. And so that one's still in process. There, um, they've soft that business is now soft launch. They've onboarded clients or customers, and they should have more of the the full product uh, launching in about a year or so. So how long ago was that that you um you came up with that idea? That would be about eleven years ago, something like that. Okay, so you know, in in some sense, it's still going, still um, still operating. Um, the other yep. business, so tech, they're they're still part of a company, still have ownership in it. I'm a bit more passive as a, as I still have ownership, but I don't. I'm not quite as active as on on some of the aspects of it. Company's up and going. It's a, now an eight-figure business and continuing to launch product and, and, and gain traction. So it's it's fun to see continued continuing to mature. Yeah, well, congratulations on taking something which was just an idea to all the way through to what it is today. Um, regarding the other businesses, the first question is: How many other businesses have you been in, and what was the next one after the one we just talked about? Yeah, so the next one, so I guess of how many businesses I've been in. So if I were to anything that I, I would count the business I've been in as anything that I founded, co-founded, or own or and owned. Um, so that one, let's see, one, two, three. If you were to count the law firm, I think it's been five. Um, so the next one after that was it was the next one was kind of more of just a fun business. And so it was actually a friend that was starting it. And then uh, I joined uh, quickly after and became part of the founding team, which it was just kind of a fun religious products. And so, um, for, I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise nicknamed Mormons. And, uh, one of the things that was just kind of, uh, it was just kind of a small niche kind of fun religious product. It wasn't a necessity, but it was kind of one of those where it had some of the, um, uses it within the, the religious or religious aspect. And so he said, hey, we can make this easier for people to be able to give some blessings and do some other things. So we started that just kind of as a fun or fun kind of small business. That one's still going today. 
Um, it's actually my favorite business and not because it makes the most money. It probably makes the least amount of money. Um, but so I, I ended up buying out the partners and I'm full owner of it. But why it's my favorite business is because I've now have been able to hire my kids to do it. And so um, they are always, you know, it's one of those where it's fun. My or I have my office space here and with the law firm and some of the other businesses. And my son that's 11, he, he loves to work and has a little bit of spending money. And so he actually gets to come in, do some of, or about once a week after school, he'll come in for a couple hours, get to work and get to earn some money and actually contribute and earn and learn the value of, of uh, having your own business and, and working hard and earning money. And so that was kind of my favorite business because it's a small business that makes probably 20, 30,000 a year, something like that. Um, so it's not a huge business. On the other hand, it's one where I get to work with my son in the business, which is more rewarding than some of the other businesses that have been bigger. So that's probably my favorite. And that would be the next business that I started after as I was also pursuing the bigger business with the wearables. Yeah, if there's um, if there's any particular business where you get to spend more time with your family, that's the one that you want to, should we say, focus on or grow, right? But um, before yeah. I ask you about the next three, um, why do you sure. do it? You know, I, I don't know if I have a great answer in the sense, you know, it's kind of one of those is that, in, you know, you're born with it, do you grow into it as it kind of happenstance? And to, for me, it's probably all the little bit of the above in the sense, you know, I, I don't know that I can pinpoint there was something that just innately, I all of a sudden had woke up one day and decided I want to be an entrepreneur or I wanted to do startups or small businesses or wanted to pursue any of these. It was just kind of one that just naturally, as I was figuring out what I want to do, what I enjoyed, just was what I tended to gravitate towards. And then, you know, kind of as I started doing them, then I found out that I enjoyed them, loved them. And I find that, you know, the, the joke is, is, you know, when everybody, anybody asks me what my hobby is, it's usually startups. And the reason I say that is usually if I'm sitting there and I have free time or if I'm doing yard work or doing something where I don't have to expend a lot of mental energy as I'm performing the task. My thoughts just generally wander towards startups and new businesses and new ideas and how to pursue things and how to grow things and how to market things and all that. And that's just kind of where my thoughts naturally go. And so I think it's more out of a sense of enjoyment and excitement and, and, and like loving to do it that I just naturally continue down that pathway of, you know, and when I find an opportunity that's something that excites me that I think that I could do something with that, or combines well with the other efforts that I'm doing, then it just tends to naturally fold in and I just or find a way to fit it in and, and continue to pursue it. So I don't know that there's any better overriding reason other than I just tend to, I started, I tried it out, found that I enjoyed it and continued to do it ever since. Yeah, I in, enjoy it. Uh, what, what people refer to as the passion, right? You'd say it's startups are your passion. Is that fair? Yep, absolutely. And um, the the next one, the next business, the third one. Yeah, so I would say the next three have all kind of been a, a joining of different efforts. And so the next one would have been the law firm, which is what I'm doing now. So Miller IP Law, I started that about three years ago. So I had been doing, I'd worked for a couple of the law firms, as I mentioned before. And what I found is one is that when I was working for other law firms, that you have a diminishing, you, you know, there's really one path that, that generally goes as a law firm. You work for them for a long enough period of time and you either make partner or most of the time you grow out of the law firm and eventually they let you go or they kind of put you to the side. And so, and so I said, okay, you know, do I want to be partner? Is that something I want to do? And I was working for a big law firm, well-respected. I was working for clients, including Amazon and Intel and Red Hat and Ford and others. So certainly name recognizable clients. 
And yet, on the other hand, I was seeing, you know, one is, do I like working for these clients? Well, they're they're cool clients, but I'm much, I have a much smaller impact or be able to have guidance or direction or insight or be able to, you know, be more involved with the business. And so with that, I was kind of stepping back and saying, you know, if I'm looking and saying or law is going to be a big part of my career, where where do I see myself going? And I said, what and what are the clients that I like and what are the type of work that I like? And really, I found that I gravitated right back to, hey, the f- clients that I find fun and exciting that I love to work with I tend to be the startups and the small businesses. They're more fun. You get to have more strategy with them. You have more impact. They have kind of new and innovative and different technologies. And it's kind of, hey, this is a one shot. We're going to shoot for the moon and hopefully we make it. And those were just the ones that I had fun. And so I said, the law firms I'm working at now, they're not focused on those type of clientele. And not only are they not focused on it, they're not set up to really handle them. And so I said, you know, they're too expensive for most startups and small businesses. They really don't take good care of startups and small businesses because they're focused on the larger clients. And not only that, I don't have the ability to really set myself up to in a direction or to be able to handle those clients because you're you're working with a much larger law firm, a lot of employees, a lot of people that are managing owners and everything else. And so you only have a very small control over what you can do beyond the work that they're hiring you to do, which I get and understand. So with all of that, I said, you know, what I'd really love to do is simply just go and be able to start my own thing and be able to set it up in a way that I can have better do the do a law from the way that I think it should be done. And that includes, you know, and I usually when I'm ever doing or doing law practice, I always ask, you know, are we doing am I doing this because that's the way that it's always been on the legal field or because it because it makes sense to me about half the time. It's because it actually makes sense to me. The other half is the time. It's that's because it's the way it's always been done. And if it's the other half of that's the way it's always been done, then I always look as an opportunity to do it better or differently. And that includes how we do pricing and how we do client intake and how we do managing relationships and how we leverage automation and how we do a lot of things differently. Differently. And so that was kind of the genesis for saying, you know, as I was looking at what kind of clients do I want to look at or work with, kind of what or what to, or do I want to be able to captain my own ship, be able to make my own directions, implement new programs, approach things differently. All of that kind of came into what I really need to do is start my own law firm because that will be or put me in a direction I want to go. And so about three years ago, as I was working for other law firms, doing the other couple startups, and I said, you know, I, I think it's reached a point where I feel like I have enough experience, enough uh, ability to um, go out on my own and also have, you know, build, understand of how to do client generation and, and get business and do all that. Decided to branch out on my own and start my own law firm. So that was kind of the third business that I went on or went after was to do the my own law firm. And it also made it nice because I was also kind of feeling like I was getting stretched in a couple directions. The more I was with another law firm the more I was having to do that. And I couldn't, or it was becoming kind of a conflict with pursuing some of the other entrepreneurial endeavors. And if I could start my own law firm, then it gives me more of the flexibility. One week I can completely focus on the law firm. The next week I can, you know, more largely focus on some of those other startups and small business sites I'm pursuing or the next day or the next hour. And it gave me that flexibility that I was wanting to pursue so that I could or chase after all the passions at the same time. So that was a, the third business and been doing, or started up the law firm and been doing it ever since. And you um, you specialize in intellectual property, is that right? Yeah. So we specialize in intellectual property, focus on startups and small businesses. So we do patents, trademarks, copyrights. We'll do some other business-related law, so LLC formations, NDAs, independent contract agreements, and those type of things. But yeah, it's, it's primarily focused on uh, intellectual property. So if someone was to say, you know, tell me about that business, like meaning I have no background in in that business at all, what would you say to them? 
Yeah, I mean, it's really focused on helping startups and small businesses capture their intellectual property. Now, intellectual property kind of is to help people kind of conceptualize or think about it. The easy thing to think about when you're thinking about property is real a real property, right? So you can own a house, you can own a car, you can own a, you know, a smartphone or anything. You own that. It's it's your physical, tangible product. Now, what's difficult when you get into business is a lot of times what it what you have is less tangible product. So if you're to think of a brand, a brand isn't something that you can hold in your hand, but yet it's very valuable and you can actually develop it and it's an asset of the business. And you think of Pepsi and Coke and Nike and Apple and Samsung and all of those big businesses, all of, a lot of what their value is is in the brand. And so how do you leverage that and how do you protect it? Same thing with an invention. If you're to create the world's next best invention, a lot of what goes into it is going to be the R&D, the research and development, the time and effort, the blood, sweat and tears of figuring out how to make it. Because once you make it, it's kind of like the magic trick and everybody can, once it's out of the marketplace, you see that you know how the magic trick works. It's easy to reproduce and yet it's very hard to come up with in the first place. And that's kind of the same thing with inventions is once you figure it out and you put it out in the marketplace, people can reverse engineer it and figure out how it works and replicate it. So with intellectual property is really how do you go about protecting those kind of intellectual, intangible aspects of your brand, of all the, of your inventions, of your creatives and all of those things. And that's where the intellectual property comes in is really looking towards, hey, one is how do we protect it? How do we fend people off from knocking it off? And then how do we create this as an asset of your company that's investable, licensable, sellable, and those type of things. And that's where intellectual property steps in. And that's why businesses of all sizes, including startups and small businesses, are, are leveraging it as a way to fold that in to increase the value of their business and, and further um, give them that competitive edge. Any misconceptions that uh, are common in what you do? Um, now that's a that's a whole long oh, that'd be a, 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 a several hours that I go off on that one. I mean, some of the bigger misconceptions. I think one of the bigger cons- misconceptions in the legal industry in general, and certainly it holds true in intellectual property, is everyone with the advent of the internet and with YouTube and with the, or everything else, is everybody thinks that they can be an expert at everything. And so, you know, and that includes a legal aspect. And so, you know, people have come to the, hey, I can DIY this. I can do this myself. I can go watch a, a five minute YouTube video and I'm just as, you know, just as experienced as an attorney, but it's been doing it for 10 years because the YouTube video told me so. And so I think where people are trying to gra- or grasp is, is you don't understand the difference in value of watching the five minute video and trying to do the step by step versus have someone else experience and be able to do that. And it's easier if you're saying, hey, I wouldn't go into, you know, I'm not going to perform a surgery on myself and try and be my own doctor. I'm probably not going to try and go build my own house because it's not going to turn out well. But when you get to some of those that are less tangible legal aspects or some of the other things that they put up on videos and DIYs and that is you don't understand the difference in value. And the easiest way I tend to explain it is, you know, let's say you had a you're out in the out in the middle of nowhere and you had a need for a shelter shelter over your head. Well, if you had a tent with you, even if you had no instructions, you could go and figure out how to build a tent. And that's kind of the, you know, you could put up a tent and of time and effort, you could do that. That would be kind of if you did it all on your own without any help. If you went and watched YouTube, I'm sure there are videos out there of how to build your own home and own home on YouTube. And you could go and build it. And it's probably a bit better in shelter than it would be a tent that you put up, but only a little bit better. 
Or you can go and hire a builder, someone that has experience and knows how to do electrical and how to do plumbing and how to do AC and how to make a roof that doesn't leak and put up all the amenities and put up the flooring and all that. And that's a lot of the same thing with an attorney. And yet it's kind of one where there's a lot of times a disconnect and people think, well, you know, it's much the same as if you were to try and go build your own house and watch YouTube, how would it turn out? Same thing with a lot of the legal aspects. Could you go watch a YouTube video? Could you probably get something in place? Yeah. Is it going to be the same level of experience and is it going to be the same level as a nice house that you're paying a builder to do? Probably not. So that's probably across the all the legal industries, including intellectual property, I think, where the legal industry, as you've had the advent of legal Zoom and DIY stuff and YouTube and all that, is how you help people understand that while there are all those other options and sometimes that's the best you can do and that's all you can afford, there are, there are drawbacks and there are reasons why it doesn't make sense to always pursue those. Thank you for that. How have you found um, juggling, shall we say, family life with how active you are in, in business and entrepreneurship? Um, better than I used to be. <laughs> so, I mean, at the start of my career, it was one where I tended to focus probably too much, or I don't know, Probably the answer is I focus too much on work and it was usually, you know, I think it is a issue that most if you're an entrepreneur minded love startups or small businesses, you tend to one, you tend to enjoy it. And so you just tend to put in a lot of hours. But two, with a, a business, there's always are always fires to be put out. In other words, you're always you're having things that need or that need and quote your immediate attention today. And so you're always saying, well, I just I just need to get this one thing done or I just need to get past this week or this month or this one's just extra busy. And yet you always have something that's going to pull at your attention. That's always going to be that thing that is the fire that you have to put out today that's immediate. And you tend to kind of put the family on the back burner. And so I was guilty of that, you know, not completely didn't just disregard my family, but I didn't give them as much attention as I think they deserved earlier on in my career, because it took me a period of time to really figure out, you know, for me, it was basically the coming to the realization, there's always going to be uh, fires to put out every single day of a business. And I'm going to, when I get into work and get into the office, I'm going to put out as many fires as I can, or get as much as I can done and, and work as hard as I can. But at the end of the day, once, uh, once I'm done and I'm or going home, I need to be home. I need to be not trying to pull out the computer again, not responding to clients, not taking calls and not doing other things, but be there and focus with the family. And so as I started out earlier in my career, it was way too heavily weighted towards trying to put out the fires and always dealing with the next problem rather than focusing on family. And now it's a much better balance to where if I'm at work, I work as hard as I can. I always, you know, I eat lunch at my desk because I'm working throughout the day and I don't take a lot of lunch breaks and I want to get as much done as I can because I love it and enjoy it. But then when their time comes around that it's time to go home and be with the family, then I say, okay, unless the building is burning down and this is absolutely necessary so that their company doesn't go under, it'll be here tomorrow and I'll come back. And so it's one of those where I think for the first five or six years of my career, I was I lacked on it. And then I started to have that realization. I made the pivot and the shift. And I think there's a much better balance now. And have you got any thoughts on work ethic? Um. Simple, work hard. <laughs> I mean, I think that it really is about as simple as that. You know, I think that there, 
I don't think that hard work is the only thing that's going to make you successful. And I think that, you know, it's not all talent and it's not all hard work, but hard work can make up for a, a lot of lack of talent and, you know, talent because can't make up for that much hard work. In other words, you can be the smartest person in the room. And if you don't work hard, you're just, I don't think you're going to be successful. Vice versa. You may not be the smartest person in the room, but if you put in the time and effort, you can make up for a lot of your shortcomings. And so I think that work ethic is one where, I don't know if it's, you know, I think it's part of ingrained, you're born with it, but also a lot of times I think it's parents. And that's why I said my favorite business is my ability to work with my son is now, and I also have all, all of my kids will come in on Saturday. They help clean the office. I don't hire a professional staff and I'm sure that they would be a little bit cleaner and a little bit nicer. It still looks good. Don't worry. Our, our, our offices aren't by any means not nice, but it's an opportunity for the kids again to learn to work. And so for me, I think that you have to give your kids the opportunity and exposure to being working and make that tie in association with, if I work hard, I will get paid. If I get paid, I can make the, or I can buy the things that I want and I can have the lifestyle that I want and not that money is the only thing, but I think that you need to do that. And, and I, it's not only, I think in the workplace, I, you know, we do yard work and we, we go out and my kids see me working in the yard every Saturday and we don't hire people out. We don't have somebody come do the lawn. We do it ourselves. And, we have, you know, a bit of land and we, we make the kids work on the land and they have to have, they have projects and things they do. And I think that the more people work hard and just get that, the better off they are. So like as a snapshot of, um, let's say what you've achieved and, um, how hard you work, let's say, you know, you, you said you got four degrees, you've done five businesses, um, you know, big family. Um, I think people would think, you know, this guy works really hard and some people might say too hard. So what do you make of the, the new sort of, you know, we shouldn't be working too hard, should we say message or the, the more you should more focus on life balance than, than work? What do you make of that message? It's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that if you look at it, the overall message is people are miserable, they're unhappy, they're tired, they don't want to do the things which in, in that case, figure out what it make what makes you happy and enjoy. And I don't always think it's the more trips. I don't always think it's the nicer house or the better vehicles or the always working from home or all of those things. And I think that what they're finding, if you to go out and I find an interesting topic, so I, I tend to like to read the studies and kind of think. Working from home, it hasn't made people happy. Even having more money hasn't made people happy. Even having better things or more vacations. And it, it gives you kind of that temporarily temporary happiness when you go on the vacation. Yeah, it's fun to go on vacation. You have a week or two off. And then you're right back to where you're at before the vacation. And it's really, I think, that where people are getting a misconception is, is that work is a bad thing or work isn't fun or work can't be something that you enjoy now. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't ha not every day in my life is blissful. And I, it's not every day that I come into work that I just excited and love doing work. But a vast majority of them are. And so, you know, I think that you, I found that a lot of times work is, you know, work and family and doing all the things that I listen and having, you know, doing startups and doing my own business and, and having kids and having a family. People look at it and say, oh, that keeps you busy and that's a lot of work. And when do you relax? And I say, why do I need to relax if I enjoy it? If I'm having a good time and life is happy, I don't need to relax because I am relaxed. I, I am doing the things that I enjoy. And I think that's where we, or there's kind of been that shift in, well, families are just going to be work. And I, you know, you see all the television shows and having kids is miserable and everybody complains. And yeah, it's fun. I love being with my kids. I have a 
daddy daughter dance after work today where I'm going to go with the three of all three of my girls to the elementary school. We're going to have a 1950s dance. Now, I'm not a big dancer, so I'm not excited about the dance part, but I am excited about going and doing that for my Friday night evening with the or with my daughters after work because it's fun and enjoyable. I like being with my daughters. And so whereas a lot of times people got the conception, hey, family's going to be a burden. It's going to be expensive. You're going to have to spend a lot of time and you're not going to be able to, you're going to be strapped down. And, and those are things that I think that it's just, it's a wrong conception. And yet people have been so ingrained that it's one where they don't understand that just because you're doing these things doesn't mean you can't have fun and enjoyment. And a lot of times it's a lot more fun and enjoyable and it gives you a life's purpose rather than the next car or the next vacation or the next thing that's a, a fleeting or a temporary happiness rather, rather than something that's long-term and sustainable. Great answer. It comes back to what you said initially about what you enjoy doing and what your passion is. And um, yep. I, I often refer to it as like holidays. So, you know, why do I need a holiday when I enjoy my life? So um, did you want to mention your other two businesses at all? Yeah, so a couple other businesses. So the next one that we've done, and so the, the last two have kind of grown out of um, – the law firm, or I guess more the purpose or mission of the release for me of helping startups and small businesses. So the next one that is that was grown out, and this one's been about a year old, and so it's a bit newer, is we do a um, web development and web design business. And that was really at, more out of that we're looking to how do we help startups and small businesses when they're getting going? Well, we certainly have the intellectual property, so they can come get a patent or trademark or other things. But a lot of times they also are needing help in getting a web presence as we shift more to online, especially with COVID, but even really before COVID, and I'm sure way after COVID, because I'm tired of hearing about COVID, there is still the need to have that online presence and that have that ability for people to find out about you and to shop and do those things. And so we really were saying, how do we expand out and help these startups and the small businesses beyond just a legal aspect? And one of the things that they often need earlier on is that they're going to need a website and they're going to need web development. And so how do they go about doing that? And so we kind of branched out. We started a firm. It's called Action Design, um, designed uh, with a D, um, that uh, is really, it's grown out of the law firm. So we split it out as a separate business, but it really kind of goes hand in hand with the um, with the law firm as it's really expanding the mission of helping startups and small businesses. Um, the next one is, I'll, I'll tease out there, but it's just getting ready to launch. And so it hasn't actually launched out there which is a different law firm that is basically helping people to find legal loopholes in the law. And so one of the things that people are often looking for is they don't want to go spend an exorbitant amount of money on an attorney. They don't want to have to go and do lazy lawsuits. They just want to be able to say, hey, what is the ways that I can get this done without having to go in or go through the court system and get tied up? What are the legal loopholes? Not illegal, not promoting doing anything legal, <laughs> but what are the ways that you can have a legal loophole? So that's one where it's a fun one. That's We're just building it out, getting ready to launch it. It hasn't gone live yet, um, but that will be one of the other ones that uh, will be the fifth business that uh, is, uh, been working on as well. Do you feel like you deserve a little bit of a high five? <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I'll take a high five when anybody wants to give me one. I don't know that I feel like I deserve it any more than anybody else. But if you, anybody wants to give me a high five or anybody wants a high five, I'm happy to give them one. So um, what's next for you? What are your, what are your goals? <sighs> you know, I think on... It's probably on the business side is continuing to just pursue the or the things that I'm passionate about and where I've really found, at least for the time being and where I continue to expand out is 
mission is really to help startups and small businesses, both the startups and small businesses I like to do, but also in a broader sense, helping other startups and small businesses. And so with that, we've really, I've really been looking at identifying the different areas that we can expand out that mission. And that can be with web development. That can be with additional legal services. We also have, as part of the law firm, DIY legal services. So we can help to have better options for people that can't afford attorneys. That's going to be kind of on the business side. On the more personal side, you know, the thing that I've been excited about and passionate about is so uh, my wife and I, um, we acquired some land. We have about 20 acres that are that we are getting ready to build on. We haven't done it yet, we, uh, but we're getting ready. And one of the things we want to do is to I love orchards. And, oh, I love trees and I love fruit trees in particular. And so I'm excited. And that's going to be one of the next projects that I have planned out in about a year is in, within about the next year, we're going to st- I'm going to start doing a, a fruit orchard. It's on the, the on the land that we have as, as well uh, as we're, we're getting ready to build a house. And my goal is to have 100 fruit trees. And so that's one of the kind of not necessarily. I don't know that I'm ever going to probably make a business out of it, but I think it just really sounds fun. And so I, I want to go and do a, a fruit orchard. Um, it's not a real orchard. It's not a big one. It's not like we're going to be ha- or doing anything with it. Just for me, it's fun as a hobby, but that will be kind of it. So on the business side, continuing to expand out and help more startups and small businesses on the personal side, continue to be a good husband and father. And on the personal enjoyment side, I'm going to go or go plant my hundred trees. Well, thank you for um, for sharing uh, what you what you've done previously and what you intend to do. I think it's it's amazing what you've gotten done. Uh, so, congratulations! Would you say you're a successful individual? I would say I'm continuing to get closer to success, but I don't define success by business. And so, I think a lot of times the thing that people are trying to find their success by is there how much money is in their bank account, how big their businesses are, how much employees. Great. That's all great metrics if they want to measure them by. For me, success is at the end of the day, have I been a good husband and have I been a good father? And that one's a continual process. And until the until the kids are out of the house, they're all or they're all or successes on their own. I don't think I've reached success, but I'm heading I'm striving as as much as I can in that direction. I, I feel like I'm making progress even though I'm far from perfect on it. So I don't know that I've attain success but i'm at least making good progress towards it that's a a great way to define success so um and i also think it's very very valuable to define your your own version of what success is um is there anything i should have asked you about today oh we could talk about things for a long period of time we never got into politics which i enjoy (laughs) we never got into all the legal or legal different cases that are out there that i enjoy we could talk about uh, one of my favorite pastimes is i have and it's a an actual just a podcast we're getting ready to launch we already have one podcast which is the inventive journey this one's just kind of a fun one i love to do great idea terrible idea where i throw out an idea that i usually have more ideas that i'm never going to pursue and so myself and now we're having guests on a podcast which is great idea terrible idea which we spend a couple of minutes and say here's a crazy idea i've always wanted to pursue and then you actually involve, engage the audience and people vote on it and they think about whether that's a good idea what they can pursue what the feedback is and this kind of, so we could talk about things for as long as you wanted but no we, we've covered a pretty good a pretty good landscape and i think it's been a, an awesome conversation so i think uh while there's always more things to talk about it's been a great conversation well, there's a special mention for your uh, for your podcast as well. Because um, how many episodes are you on now? I'd have to. We're right around 400. I think we just crossed the 400 uh, 400 mark not too long ago. So um, we've been doing it for a little over two years, and it's been a fun thing. It's again, it's kind of 
help or retell the journeys of how much or similar to this podcast, we tell the journeys of how people got to where they're at today. We're interviewing founders, co-founders, startups, and small businesses. And that one is just really from the idea of one is to help everybody understand there isn't one right journey. Everybody, it's not like television and books and the movies where everything is perfect and you have an idea and the next day you're a millionaire and you don't, you only have to work two hours a week and, and life is wonderful. There's a lot more to it and that's not how reality is. And so I started the podcast really more is to help the startup or the startup and small business community, people to be able to promote their, or promote their journeys, promote their stories, promote their business, but also just for those that are looking to say, Hey, how do I actually get to be an entrepreneur and, and, and or entrepreneur do my own thing? And it's kind of, hey, here's a lot of different ways that people have got to doing it. So I love doing it. It's called The Inventive Journey. We've done now over 400 episodes and, and we're expanding out to, or continue to expand on that front because this is something I love and enjoy. I think for most people, doing 400 episodes on a podcast is going to keep them busy enough, let alone all the other stuff you, you deal with. So uh, well done. Congratulations on all that. Um, have you got any closing thoughts for us today? Um, no, I think that probably just reiterating what, or what I've already said, which is find the joy in what you're doing. And I think that, you know, now I'll, I'll caveat it with the proverbial uh, thing that people say that I absolutely disagree with. is find your passion and pursue it and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, you have to find a passion that people are willing to pay you for. Just because you enjoy it and, and love something doesn't mean people are going to pay for you in the marketplace and doesn't mean you're going to be successful at it. But if you can find that mixture between something you're passionate and enjoy and people want to pay you for it and it's wanted in the marketplace, that's going to make it for a fun and exciting journey. So find the passion that people are willing to pay you for and then go after and pursue it. I enjoy sitting on the couch and eating pizza. But I have yet to find someone who's willing to pay me for it. Yeah, that 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 would I would I'd, you'd have to give a lot of thought on to how you're going to make that into a business. Maybe if uh, you could be a food critic, maybe you'll start your own food critic blog, and you could call it "Eating Couch on a Pizza" or "Eating Pizza on a Couch," and you can say what is the world's best pizza. So there's your business there you opportunity. I, I I I look forward to it becoming an opportunity. We've for just it. come up with your next business idea, I think. <laughs> All right, let's do it. It'll be a great time. Um, where do people find you, Devin? Yeah, so I'll give uh, three ways that you can connect up with me. So um, on the law side, if you are a, a startup, small business, or an individual, or you don't know what you are, uh, but you want to talk about uh, patents or trademarks or intellectual property, if they want to do a one-on-one uh, -on -one free strategy meeting, they can just go to strategymeeting.com. Um, it links right to my calendar. They can grab a one-on-one -on -one session with me. It's 15, 20 minutes. It's free of charge. And we just talk through what you have going on and how we might be able to help. So strategymeeting.com is the first way. The second one is if they want to go out and check out the law firm, Miller IP Law, they can just go to lawwithmiller.com. Um, and then that will take you to the website. We have a ton of material. We have uh, podcasts. We have videos. We have blogs. We have just about any way that you like to consume information is there. And we're always looking to help startups and small businesses. So Law With Miller is the second one, lawwithmiller.com. Last one is I'm not very active on most social media platforms, but I do enjoy and love uh, LinkedIn. So that's usually if I'm on or if I'm on a social media platform, that's where I'm at. If you go to uh, meetmiller.com, that links you right to my uh, LinkedIn profile. And if you want to connect up with me, they're always happy to chat. So strategymeeting.com to grab a one-on-one -on -one time with me to chat law stuff, lawwithmiller.com if you want to just go to the website, and meetmiller.com if you want to connect up with me on LinkedIn. 
Well, I do. Um, whenever I speak to high achievers like yourself, it does it does give me a bit of a boost to uh, to know that there's more to do. So you've done that today. So well, I'm always glad that I can add one more thing to your to do to your. To no, do no, no, in a, in a good way, in a good way. So um, thank you for being a great guest today. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.